Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner Khan. He left his own birthday celebration weekend because the business was on fire, so to speak. There was nobody else to go and deal with the problems that were at hand. Today on episode 595 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with the founder of the Chrysler Club, David Chrysler. I'm going to ask Dave how you can avoid having your business run your life and much more. Stay with us to hear all the details. I believe everyone should have the opportunity to do what they love and get paid what they're worth. On my podcast, I've interviewed hundreds of successful entrepreneurs, many of whom run consulting or coaching businesses. We've created a free ebook with 49 actionable steps from 49 of our popular episodes to help you smash the plateau in your business and your life. It includes tips to help you with your mindset, relationships, business development, and productivity. You can get your copy of 49 Tips to Smash Your Plateau at smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. Now let's welcome David Chrysler. Dave is the founder of the Chrysler Club and host of the Everyday Business Problems podcast. Having spent nearly 20 years working for a publicly traded corporation that grew through acquisition, provided Dave with the opportunity to grow several different businesses during his career. Entering entrepreneurship, Dave quickly realized there was a tremendous need within small businesses to have access to the tools and support that were commonplace in a large corporation. It was during this time Dave developed his operations framework that he uses to solve everyday problems and free business owners from working in their business so it can grow. Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, David. I'm excited to be on the show with you. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on. Tell me a little bit more about your journey into entrepreneurship. Yeah, I'd love to. So uh, for me, it really started when I was growing up. I uh, grew up in a family that owned multiple businesses. Uh, my parents still actually own multiple businesses today. And kind of having grown up in that environment, it was pretty commonplace. You know, I kind of tell the story like, it was pretty commonplace for me to spend nights and weekends, you know, at the shop. My parents uh, during that time owned a printing company. That was their main main business that they had. And, uh, you know, as I grew up in that environment, I kind of thought that's what everybody that owned a business did. You know, you, you kind of work nights and weekends. You're always there. You're involved in every single aspect of your business. And, you know, that's really the only way to be able to grow your business over time is, is to do that, put in the work. So, you know, I learned at a, a very young age, a tremendous work ethic and, you know, what I thought meant to build and grow a sustainable, scalable, you know, ultimately sellable business because uh, that's what I saw. And for me, you know, it wasn't, um, it wasn't until I kind of made a shift and stopped working for my parents, uh, you know, as, as I went to high school and then college, I worked for my parents and at some point, I kind of made the shift and, and found myself working for a really large publicly traded company that, uh, as you mentioned, grew through acquisition. And it was really during all of those opportunities, I was at multiple locations as those acquisitions would happen. And, you know, it was, it was a family, typically a family-owned business that uh, the corporation was acquiring. So I saw a lot of similarities there. But I also 
first kind of recognize that there's a much different way that that bigger businesses operate from a systemization, from a process improvement, from a kind of taking all of the good things with the people and the culture and trying to, you know, really trying to put fuel to that. And I felt like big business did that in such a different way than what I kind of grew up and learned. You know, so for me, it was kind of seeing this time and time again. We'd buy a business. It was a family-run business. It would grow. You know, it was being run in a particular way. And part of my responsibility was to, you know, onboard that family-run business into more of a corporate culture, start to implement processes and systems. And so for me, that was kind of the development of, uh, you know, of all of this. And ultimately, I got an opportunity you know, to purchase a business back in in our home state. My wife and I took that opportunity, uh, grew that business by about 20% in a a fairly short period of time. And, um, you know, we got to a point where we were kind of ready to hit the gas. And I was in a partnership at that point in time and decided, you know, things were maybe not going as as well as we kind of had laid out uh, in initial stages. And so we took an opportunity to kind of divest out of that and found myself sitting at the kitchen table again saying, hey, you know, what do I want to do for the next half of my career? You know, and I really came across, as I look back at my corporate career, it was what I really enjoyed doing at any given point time and time again, which was working with different people, different businesses, kind of, you know, would say I would get thrown into the deep end of the pool. I didn't know the people. I didn't know the process. I didn't know the products in a lot of cases. And we had to to look at all of that and figure out ways to increase revenue, increase profitability, and, you know, be able to improve utilization and efficiency and quality and all those types of things. So I wanted to start a business to do that and to support small businesses in that way, because I felt like, you know, it, my parents worked so hard and they were doing so many things right, but they never had that support and infrastructure and education that I got when I went to work for a big, big, you know, publicly traded corporation. So I want to be able to, to give uh, small business owners those types of experiences and support uh, to show them that there is a different way you can, you can build that business that's, you know, sustainable, scalable, and ultimately sellable one day. Right. What's an example, Dave, of something that would take place in a large corporation that doesn't happen typically in a small business? A lot of it for me comes down to the process development. And the best example I can give you for that is is even if you take, uh, let's say, a prospecting effort, right? That's one component of your overall sales system that you're going to have. And what I see when I worked in a big corporation was not only did we have the automation component of it, so we had an ERP system that was fully integrated, but at the process level, we were documenting processes and training people on those documented processes. So that way, when you know we, we brought somebody new on, we had kind of steps A to Z of how to, number one, get them up to speed. Number two, make sure our customer experience was the same time and time again. We, we had repeatability. And we were removing people from the equation. What I mean by that is, in my role, I was, you know, a general manager. Well, you know, in a family-run business, a lot of times when there's a question about a particular part of that, let's say prospecting process, the questions get funneled right back to the owner or right back to, you know, somebody in that leadership position. And what big businesses 
do the best, at least the big business I worked for and, and how we did things, was document those processes, continually review and revise those processes. So we were doing things consistently to deliver the best results for our clients and customers. So process documentation is a big part of it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And it's really where I find a lot of small business owners and entrepreneurs lacking. Uh, it's one of the things that, you know, kind of one of my top questions that I'll ask. And, you know, if somebody says, because inevitably, you know, somebody will say, oh, yeah, yeah, we've, we've got that documented. Oh, yeah, yeah, we've got that covered. Okay, well, show me, number one, let's see the documentation. And number two, when's the last time you revised, you reviewed and revised the documentation? Because it's, it's not good enough to just say that it's documented and to have a written procedure. You really want to build, building systems to me, and again, going back to what big, big business did so well, was getting into this planning cycle. That's what I call it. And, and it's just this ongoing, you know, plan, execute, review, revise, repeat. And we would do that constantly. We'd do that with individual processes. We would do that uh, in training scenarios. We would do that with you know larger business systems when we started to introduce automation, quality initiatives, all of those things. And it was that constant cycle of evaluation and improvement that led to the biggest impact and the best results uh, over time. Right, which means small continuous steps 100% so in your in your business now helping small businesses how do you outline the process that they need to go through in order to scale the way that you've seen larger corporations do it yeah it's um we take it kind of on a a process by process situation because depending on where the biggest pain point is with somebody the biggest pain point today may be on the sales process side, so we're going to start there. It may be, if we're talking about a manufacturing company, it may be on the customer experience side, so it could be something related to quality, it could be something related to productivity, so we'll start there. But when we break it down or kind of look at it at the macro, what we're really talking about are four pillars. That's what we concentrate on. We concentrate on planning, people, process, and programs or automation. So we look at it from that standpoint and say, okay, what areas need attention? What areas are already, you know, kind of working that we can get to later in the, uh, you know, kind of rollout phase of process documentation and ultimately getting to the point where then we can, you know, bring people in and talk about, well, what are ways that we can do some improvement efforts for this particular process and or business system? What kinds of businesses do you work with? Typically, we're in the manufacturing space. We do a lot of work with skilled trades folks as well, because I find in both of those areas, it's kind of the same story, right? You know, plumber really great at plumbing. Hey, I'd like to be a painter. I, you know, grew up in a manufacturing business, and so now I, I wanted to start my own. And it's kind of this recurring story of you're really great at the thing, and you kind of do the thing and you know wake up one day and you've got a business around you you've got a bunch of you know clients and customers you've got a bunch of balls in the air and you've not ever been exposed to or had the you know to be fortunate to learn kind of how to put infrastructure in place around you so one not 
everybody is running towards you. You're not the fireman or firewoman that's running around day in and day out. You're not the person that's missing commitments, whether that's an email or time with your family or any of those types of things. It's really about, you know, kind of walking people through the process of how to do process documentation, how to improve their culture so that they're bringing people in and empowering them to help them not only do process documentation, but process improvement. And then as you scale that out, you're starting to talk about building out business systems because in my mind, all the system is, is a series of processes put together. And then you can start talking about introducing automation and, and you know other things that will ultimately just add uh, gas to the fire. Dave, what's the trigger that would cause someone who has a business based on the trades or manufacturing to search for help in building some infrastructure? It's a really great question, David. For me, what I see time and time again is this feeling of overwhelm. You know, I say everybody sees the symptoms around them. They say things like, ah, I'm so busy. Oh, I'm sorry I didn't get to that email. Oh, I'm sorry I can't, you know, go to little Johnny's baseball game. You know, one of my recent clients just told me a story how uh, he had planned a trip away uh, with his family for his birthday and had to leave. He left his own birthday celebration weekend because, you know, the business was on fire, so to speak. There was nobody else to go and deal with the problems that were at hand. And so what do you do? You know, and as I explained to him, sometimes that's going to happen. Even, even when you do have process and infrastructure and systems in place, sometimes that is going to happen. It is your business. So I'm not saying that, you know, sometimes people may, might get the wrong idea that, you know, we're talking about the four-hour work week or something like that or absentee owner. And while those can, both of those things can be goals, what I'm really talking about is having support in place so that not every single thing falls onto your shoulders as an owner and, and you don't feel this constant you know, pressure on your chest of, oh my gosh, how are we going to get all this stuff done? Or how am I going to deal with this problem or that problem or you know, this thing coming at me? Yeah. You know, one question that I come across in situations where businesses are stretched like that and the business owner feels like he or she is constantly fighting fires and that as they often describe it the business is running me as opposed to the other way around and sometimes they feel like i have a glorified job and that's not at all what they want but one of the challenges that i that i see that they have is when they get into that scenario frequently cash flow is tight and so they know they would like some help but they fear that they can't afford it and they fear that cleaning up the problem is going to take more time, especially at the beginning, that they already don't have. So how do you address their fears about laying out cash for some help and spending some time doing things that the help is advising them to do while they're already feeling stressed putting out fires? Yeah, I mean, the first thing is to kind of, you know, be honest with people, right? This isn't a, you know, I, I kind of Ron Popeil soundbite, right? This isn't set it and forget it. There is no easy button here. This is, you know, it took you a long time to get to the point that you're at. It's going to take some time to walk out of this, right? So that's kind of first and foremost for me. 
And depending on where people are at, you know, I'm not opposed, me personally, I'm not opposed to getting creative in terms of compensation. I, I know the value that, that I could bring into a, a particular, you know, situation for a particular business owner or entrepreneur. And so I don't mind kind of saying, hey, the proof's in the pudding, right? Like, here's, here's some ways to get creative about how we can accomplish what you're trying to accomplish and, you know, compensate uh, for the knowledge and expertise that you're asking for. And I think that's important. You know, I think it's whether it results in, you know, doing a unique compensation plan or not, I think I think just the fact that you're willing to talk about that, at least that's been my experience, shows some confidence in, you know, the skill set because at the end of the day you can have, you know, you can have referrals and you can show work and all of those things, but at the end of the day you're really you're really putting a lot of trust into somebody or a team of people uh, to help you in a situation where, where, to your point, you're already feeling an extreme amount of kind of overwhelm and not sure that I can even, you know, take a step forward. So I, I think all of those things are important. That That's really important. And that's, um, yeah, framing it that way, I think can be really helpful. One question I have for you is about your own business and how you differentiate yourself from others providing similar kinds of services. Because one of the things I've seen is that there seems to be almost an explosion of people who call themselves business coaches, many of whom have not accomplished a whole lot themselves. There really, there's no barrier to entry in the field, if you even call it a field. How do you describe yourself and how do you differentiate yourself so that people understand where your the strength is in your own value proposition? Yeah, it's a, a great question. And, you know, pretty specifically, I I personally shy away from the term coach because of exactly what you said. There's a very low barrier to entry. And what I find the people that I run across that are considering themselves coaches you know, don't have a lot of real world practical experience dealing with the things that, you know, somebody like myself has, you know, it's pretty clear to kind of look back on my corporate career and you can't make that up, right? I could make up potentially some of the accomplishments along the way or or certain things, you know, but I think if you go back and you look at somebody's career path up to this point, you can you can see pretty clear whether or not they're legitimate in terms of how they are presenting themselves. So I just I kind of wanted to make that note. Uh, even though I I take a coach's approach in my consulting business, I'm very cautious about utilizing that word in particular. Yeah, I, I noticed it. You didn't write it in the bio that you shared with me. I, I did not. No, and again, it's really my approach. I, I love people. I love helping people. I. How I differentiate is saying, look, I can step in and do this for you, okay? And in some cases, we have owners that want us totally hands-off, if you will, and we do we do all the heavy lifting. But what I much prefer is working one-on-one or, you know, one on a small leadership group and really enabling people and giving them the tools, right? We have certain systems, certain tools, certain frameworks that are pre-built that we can walk people through. But it's that ongoing support that I find, and and again, kind of taking that coach's perspective to help people recognize the change internally that needs to happen, because that's a lot of this, right? It's, It's a lot of what ends up happening. You kind of take a look in the mirror and say, okay, well, I'm the person that got us to this point. 
I'm going to be one of the people that gets us out of this. And you personally, as that business owner entrepreneur, needs to take that, that kind of ownership and needs to rein in that mindset. And you need somebody that can coach you through those things. I had to do it personally. You know, when I was a young manager, I kind of thought, oh, yeah, I can do this. I can do that. I'm going to go take care of this. Yeah, I got this. Everything's on me. I'll, I'll work 24-hour shifts. I'll do and. And you quickly realize, right, that that's just not realistic. And so I've been there and I can speak to that. And, and I'm happy to share plenty of stories and examples about that. And, you know, for me, in terms of trying to differentiate, because in the even in the consulting world, there are so many available options. What I really try to do is talk about the transformation that I'm working with people to get to, because I saw it firsthand. I've seen it with my parents. I, you know, it's kind of a, a full circle moment for me now that, you know, I'm, I'm doing this consulting business because now I have really sat down and put together uh, kind of what I said, you know, some processes, some systems, some frameworks. And I, and I get to go back and share that with them now in their current businesses to help them move the needle. And, you know, they're both in businesses that are kind of like, you know, find something you love to do, you'll never work a day in your life type of a situation. But it's really a full circle moment for me to be able to, you know, work with them in that same type of capacity and show them that, you know, there's a much different way to go about building your business that's repeatable and, you know, scalable and and again, ultimately sellable one day. So yeah, hopefully that answered your question. Yeah, it does. Dave, what is the Chrysler Club? Yeah, so the Chrysler Club is uh, kind of a, a fun play on words for me, but it's really about building a community of people, uh, business owners and entrepreneurs that are actively trying to make the shift from working in their business to working on their business. So it is our community that we're building, people that are like-minded, that are trying to put infrastructure in place, trying to systematize their business so they can get to a point where, you know, if they want to one day, that ultimately they can sell their business and that their business is a systemized investment for them. Sounds good. Well, Dave, we've covered a lot of territory about your own journey and the common problems that you see with small business owners and what they can do to solve them. If somebody wants to access any resources you have or learn more about what you do, where would be the best place for them to go? Our website, and that is simply thechrysler.club. And we are on all the social channels. You can search at the Chrysler Club, and you'll come across. Uh, we put a lot of free content out. We have a lot of uh, free resources available. And uh, so that's the best way to get in touch with us. Okay. And of course, we'll include the links in our show notes. Dave, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and share your insights. My guest today has been the founder of the Chrysler Club, Dave Chrysler. Thank you again, Dave, for joining us. Thanks, David. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how you can avoid having your business run your life and much more. I believe everyone should have the opportunity to do what they love and get paid what they're worth. On my podcast, I've interviewed hundreds of successful entrepreneurs, many of whom run consulting or coaching businesses. 
We've created a free ebook with 49 actionable steps from 49 of our popular episodes to help you smash the plateau in your business and your life. It includes tips to help you with your mindset, relationships, business development, and productivity. You can get your copy of 49 Tips to Smash Your Plateau at smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.